Hello, and welcome to Up the Glitter podcast, the podcast that is centered around highlighting women of color in the world of graphic design, brand design, marketing, and branding strategy. I am your host, Ashley of A. Louise Creative, and today I have the honor of having Miss Katani Brahman as a guest with us. Uh, Katani is the owner of the K District, a brand strategy consulting and design firm located in northern New Jersey. She woke up this morning to talk to us. So, yes. Um, so, Katani, tell me a little bit about you and your awesomeness. All right. So, hi, guys. My name is Katani Bremen. I am the owner and creative director of the K District Concierge Branding Boutique. So, we specialize in brand identity design as well as brand strategy and consulting specifically for creative and event professionals. We have been in business. I started in 2007 and I've been doing it full time since 2013. And over those years, I've been, I've worked in a variety of industries, started out as a freelancer while working another job outside of the industry, then also picked up freelance jobs within the industry, most notably Aeropostel, Gucci. I was their store communications coordinator at Aeropostel. And then I was a, they say I was a designer. It was very, it was a lot of spec work, but I did that for Gucci as well as a couple of other ad agencies that had some hot, pretty high level clients as well. So always did that while always doing my own thing. And once the economy went on its little roller coaster, it hit me. It hit me at first. That's why I started doing a job outside of the industry as well as freelancing. But then it hit me again Mm. in around 2011, 2012. I took a job outside of the industry again Mm -hmm. um, as what still continued to freelance on the side. And then in 2013, I don't even know what happened. I took the leap. I decided that I just could not do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I had no savings. I had no real plan. I do not recommend doing that. I'm just telling you what I did. And I just did it. Yes. So (laughs) I took the leap. So here I am six years, six years later. And you're still flying. That's seven years later, actually. You're still flying, though. That's the point. Like, yes, yes, yeah. I, uh, I took the leap last year. Like nice. my second Congrats, leap. Yay. My second leap. I took the leap, okay. but I was prepared this time, and so I, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> here. No, do not do it without savings. Like, yes, don't do it. Don't do it if you can help it. Um. So when did you know that you wanted to be a professional creative? When did you know you wanted to be in marketing branding? I always knew I wanted to be a creative. I just didn't know what that looked like, even as a child. So I think I went through a couple of phases as when I was around 11, 12 years old, and I had been dancing since the age of six. I swore up and down that I was going to be one of Janet Jackson's backup dancers. Mm -hmm. And then as I got a little older, I don't know what age bracket you're in, but the age bracket that I'm in that I, there used to be a show on MTV called Making the Video. Mm -hmm. I got inspired to actually storyboard music videos to songs that didn't have videos. 
And so then I thought I I didn't even know that was a job, but apparently uh, now I know that's a storyboard artist. But (laughs) (laughs) I used to, when I was around 13, 14 years old, I used to just draw out and outline how I envisioned music videos to be. It wasn't until I was a senior in high school and they had just introduced a graphic design class. Mm -hmm. Then I said, yep, this is going to be my major. I had no idea what my major was going to be before that, but (laughs) (laughs) I think I played with the idea of forensic psychology and forensic science, Uh but no, I went back and because that still requires you to kind of think outside of the box, Mm -hmm. but you know, you get paid millions of, uh, you know, high six figures to over a million instead of what we get paid. (laughs) Yeah. You know, ultimately, I decided to stick with graphic design, and that's what I went to school for. Okay, cool. That is awesome. That kind of answers my next question. Is This is a full-time thing for you, like that you're a creative professional on your own. You're an entrepreneur all the way around. Like, if you don't work, you don't eat. Although right now, the stimulus kind of helps us out. Have you been taking advantage of it? or? Oh, that stimulus, the PPP loan, the no. EIL loan, all of that is... No, I'm talking about the... <laughs> Extra unemployment part. I ain't, I ain't talking about that. Oh, part. actually, I don't have. I did not get that yet. What? Nope, I did not. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's why I said I have the PPP. Uh-huh. I have the eat. I have the idle loan. Mm-hmm. I did get get the one time stimulus. Okay. But regular unemployment. Nope. Yeah, pending. Oh, I talked. I did speak with my accountant. They told me I did. I am aware that if I do get unemployment eventually, I have to give the loans back. I was like. With pleasure, because that I get more money with unemployment. <laughs> I know this money coming, like. So, you know, the loans I got were small because I'm a single member of LLC. Right. And, um, you know, they cost, of course, they go by my Schedule C income from last year. Right. So, yeah, I can give those back if you're going to give me my unemployment. Right. Like, take it. <laughs> I, I will pay that back if that means I can get this without paying it back. <laughs> exactly. Man, so you got the PPP. So, like, how yes. was that, like, an arduous, like, application? Was it, like, was it simple because it you have an accountant? Or? It wasn't that difficult. I didn't consult with the accountant until I got both loans. And then I saw in a couple of business groups that I'm in, somebody posted, if you got both loans, you might want to consult with an accountant. And I was like, oh, crap. Okay. So let me do that. <laughs> so let me do that. And, and he gave me some information that I had no I, that had no clue that you had to do with the loans. I mean, I knew that you had to use it for payroll. I wanted to know what that looked like as a single member LLC. I know that part of it has to be paid back. Mm-hmm. As a single member of LLC, I also learned that what I didn't know is that if you got one loan, then you could only have one loan that's forgiven. The other one will have to be paid back. Oh, that I did not know at all. I was like, you know what? That's fine. I have pretty good established business credit, so I have right. no problem. Hey, if I, I get capital loans just because I feel like I need extra money, I always. usually have no, I have no problem paying capital paying loans back. Gotcha. Okay. So... Let's let's get out of the financial, although that's a great direction to go into because a lot of us, you know, when we when we start, you know, we're like, oh, okay. So I know I want to make this much money a month. Like I know I want to do this, but nobody really thinks about what it takes to get there. And they don't exactly. think about, you know, the business expenses. Like, uh, you still gotta pay the rent. So that counts as a business expense because yes, you and your personal expenses. Right. And you don't want to just make enough money to survive like you want to make enough money to actually enjoy your life because you didn't quit your job 
to start another job. You quit your job so you could own your business. So at some point you could step back and let the baby take care of you. It's one of the yes. metaphors I use with a lot of my clients. I'm like, uh, so this is your baby, but at some point your baby's supposed to be feeding you. You're not supposed to always be feeding the baby. Like you birthed yeah. it, but it's got to grow up and do its own thing. Like you're not supposed to always be taking care of the baby. It's actually similar to the analogy that I use, but I, instead of a baby, I use a cub okay. because I say a baby as a, a you know a human baby. Mm-hmm. You, they rely solely on us. Yeah. For you know food and t- being taken care of, clothed, and all of that. Mm-hmm. A cub, on the other hand, as soon as they're born, they're pretty. Self-sufficient. Self-reliant, except for, of course, the mother feeds them and nurtures them and things like that. But on its, at the same time, you know, they pop out the womb and they are walking. walking. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great analogy. I might adopt that. Hey, go right ahead. Just let it be like, no, you birthed this baby. Like, you know what? No. Mm-hmm. You got a puppy. <laughs> you yes. need to take care of that puppy. Exactly. <laughs> So what are your favorite type of projects or your favorite type of clients to work with? It's kind of the reason why I shifted gears. I love working with creative professionals. Mm-hmm. However, one thing I do get, that's why I introduce strategy and consulting with the design as well, is that a lot of creatives, we don't tend to worry about the business side. And depending on the industry, if you're in the film industry or entertainment industry or music industry, you know, that that could possibly leave you getting taken advantage of. So that's where the consulting part goes in saying like, you know, I I think you need to talk to this person to talk, to go over this contract with you Mm -hmm. and also talk to this person to get your finances in order and talk to this person and that person. And I love working with creatives. We get to there aren't too many quote unquote rules, even yeah. though I do come from a corporate design background. So I do implement a lot of the rules, but <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> so, but I feel like I have a good mixture of both. You mm-hmm. have, you know, you have the creative, I say it's professional with the creative flair. Mm-hmm. You have the professional corporate packaging package that you're going to brand yourself as so that your potential client or person who's going to hire you can take you seriously. But we still can think outside of the box and, you know, take things where they need to be. Right. So your favorite type of people to work with are creative professionals. Going back into the, the the basis or the foundation of the podcast itself, how do you feel about the representation of us women of color in the graphic design and marketing space? Like, do you feel like we're underrepresented? I feel we're underrepresented, but that's why I started this in the first place. But, you know, how do, how do you feel about the representation of us in the industry, you know, period? I feel like we're underrepresented on a grander scale. Mm-hmm. It's hard sometimes because when I hear about the underrepresentation, you know, I'm taking a back, I'm taking a back a little bit just because of a lot of the business groups and the business associations that are a part of mm-hmm. and are, are geared toward people of color. Mm-hmm. So I'm surrounded by creatives of color all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I hear that there's underrepresentation, I'm like, where? And then I have to, <laughs> I have to look outside. I right. realize I have to look outside of my circle and my network and, you know, think about, say, for example, Adobe Max. Yes. Or, <laughs> you know, how creative conference. Those are the only two I could think of aside from the Thinking Creatively Conference, which is a one that's held in New Jersey at my alma mater. But Adobe Max and how are like the, like the 
design conferences, you know, for our industry. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, when you look at those conferences, that's when you start to see less of us. And I realized that I, fa- I recently found out that Adobe Max, because they're going virtual this year, mm-hmm. that they are actually giving their tickets away for free. What? Yes. Oh, Hey, y'all so remember I that. will be signing up because <laughs> definitely couldn't go. do a thirteen hundred dollars a ticket. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think it was something crazy like that. I think it's twelve ninety five. Like, I mean, literally, how can you? How can you? I, I know it's an investment, but come on, man! Like, how, I can't justify exactly. that. I really can't. Like, I, 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 I know yeah, I can make there. connections outside of spending. $1,300 in one, you know, in one drop. Like that's, that's And you're not just lot. paying that, you know, they, they help, they help, they hold it in cool places like Vegas. So I have to fly and I have to stay at a hotel and right. gambling money, any gambling money. <laughs> I gotta be able to eat at the good restaurant. Exactly. Like I'm exactly. not gonna eat at McDonald's while I'm in Vegas. Like, what does that look like? So, exactly. Yeah. I, oh, Jesus. So <sighs> you're spending a lot more than So the fact that they're offering their virtual event for free, Mm -hmm. I'm totally Totally there. there. How I haven't checked the price of a how design conference in a long time because I've just decided that it's going to be a long time that I'm going to go before I get to go. Mm -hmm. And then there are a couple of local ones like the one I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. and they it's geared towards students. So it's a lot more cost effective. And then even the professional rate is nowhere near as much as these other conferences. Mm -hmm. And then there's another conference that I've never had a chance to attend called it used to be called Where Are All the Black People? Now it's (laughs) called Here Are All the Black People. Okay. And one thing I noticed, I never got a chance to attend only because I always have, it's in October. I all October is a busy month for me because I have another side business, which I'll get into, mm-hmm. but October is the busy month for that particular business. But when I do watch the playback mm-hmm. on YouTube or anything like that, I noticed that I didn't see that many black people at that event. Even the panelists, they weren't even people of color. I said so, and I think somebody pointed out the irony. How does that work? That <laughs> I think somebody, you know, this white guy, he pointed out the irony that I'm at an event called Yo, Hero of Black, Black People, but then I don't Ain't see no anyone on the panel on the panel here. Right. So what are we doing here, and what you know, what can we do to make it better? Right. So you know, of course, you know, if, if they're attending an event like that, they're an ally. But even they're pointing out that there's a there's, problem. There's an event for us. And we ain't here. And the, the attendees were people of color, but not the panelists. And it didn't start out that way. I have no idea why that year it was like that. Hmm. It's, I think it's put on by the One Club in New York City. It's in New York. Yes. That might be why. But we're there. I know we're in New York. We're everywhere. <laughs> we're everywhere. Okay. But I think a lot of that stems from um, our lack of joining professional organizations like this, you know, like AIGA. I'm self-taught. I didn't know anything about that until I found a mentor. Until I okay. went and see, you know, I went and looked for a mentor. I was like, how do I grow my network? You know what I mean? Because I was like, I'm by myself. I know I'm good. My clients think I'm good, you know, but <laughs> I didn't know where to look. And then it was like, well, join a, a design organization. I said, what? He's like, join a, <laughs> join a design organization. Look up AIGA. Like, there's chapters everywhere. And it just so happens that in my little nook of Louisiana, there are none. The closest oh, one wow. is New Orleans. I'm in North Louisiana. I'm like three and a half, four hours away from New Orleans. And that's the closest wow. chapter of any kind for anything. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what? What am I going to do? 
up here? I was a student member of the AIGA Mm -hmm. while I was in college. I called my design curriculum graphic design boot camp. (laughs) And I also called us the smart ones because we often entered design competitions Mm -hmm. and that and we went up against, you know, the prestigious design schools in New York City, School of Visual Arts, Pratt and FIT. Mm -hmm. And we often won. Mm -hmm. So we felt we feel like we were the smart ones because we are beating you guys and but we didn't pay the that prestigious art school mm-hmm. price tag. And so my professors, who I'm actually still in contact with somewhat, like we're Facebook friends and we have an alumni group dedicated to the graphic design alumni that I'm still in contact with. And I tell anyone that I was very happy with my education at that. It was at Keene University in New Jersey. Okay. And I'm very happy with my education. I feel like And even when I have to look for interns or look to hire freelancers, I feel like not not that I'm biased, but more often than not, their portfolios are stronger than other art students' portfolios. Mm -hmm. And when I learned about the AI, I was a student member of the AIGA when I was in school. Mm -hmm. And then I might have did a professional membership maybe one or two years after school. And then I just let it go because I just kind of stopped going. They get repetitive, Mm -hmm. you know, they get a little mundane Mm -hmm. after a while. So if an event piques my interest, I will go. Mm -hmm. But, you know, AIGA, Art Directors Club of New Jersey, Art Directors Club of New York, the One Club, Mm -hmm. those are the three main ones that we were that we were told about, oh, New Jersey Ad Club and New Jersey Ad Council. Yeah, we have that down here, the Ad Club of yeah. Northeast Louisiana, something like that, yeah. And that, that's how I learned a lot of, you know, how to, the networking that there was here, because like Monroe is like this big. So, okay. you know, and, and the closest big city is Shreveport, which is an hour and a half that way. And then you've got Jackson, which is two hours that way. So, yeah, we got the Ad Club. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even think I know what to do in a small town. There's nothing to do but eat. <laughs> like COVID-19 is the worst because, you know, like there's a meme going around that says, make sure you put on your jeans because your sweatpants will have you thinking all is well. <laughs> That's every day down here. <laughs> yeah. I haven't worn jeans, I think, in two months. Me neither. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. So for women of color creatives who are looking to get into our industry, what is uh, what would you say was the most important step that you took when you decided to take your leap? The most important step that I took was deciding that I can do this. Hmm. You know, being, I felt like if I was under the comfort, quote unquote, mm-hmm. of a job, you know, having that regular income, no matter how small it was, Mm -hmm. I was never going to take the leap. I think for me, my back had to be pushed up against the wall, meaning if I don't do this, if I don't hustle, I will not eat. Mm -hmm. So I think that was one of the reasons why I didn't even wait to have a savings because one, I feel like if I had, if I waited to have a savings at that particular job, I would still be there. So yeah, just to decide that this is what you're going to do and you are going to go after it. Maybe not the same way that I did. Mm -hmm. Like I said, don't recommend that. Mm -hmm. But what I did do about two years ago is I 
took a part-time job that was pretty well paying Mm -hmm. and I used that money to hire a coach. Okay. And it wasn't a coach in my industry. She's just a general business coach. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do a creative coach because I wanted someone who who had like a different perspective Mm -hmm. of how to scale a business in general. Mm -hmm. So um, that extra money that I was doing pretty well, Mm -hmm. but this entrepreneur thing is for me has been very up and down and I wanted some consistency. So that was about two years ago that I hired a coach so that she can get me on the right path to being more consistent, you know, being more confident at selling. I still feel like selling is not my strong point, but I'm much better now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just how to scale, just to how to scale up and go to the next step in my business. Okay. So would you say that, that was a good investment? Yes, it was. Okay. We'll, we'll get back to that because I, I, I would like to divulge more into how to vet a coach. No problem. Because Jesus. <laughs> whoa, Jesus. <But> anyway. <laughs> so how would you describe your style? Like I went to your website and I know everything is, you know, you got the green, you got the turquoise, you got purple. Like it's, what, what's, what would you say your style is? I know you said you have a corporate background, but would you, is that how you embrace your, you know, your projects or is that just kind of like the starting point and then you move on to your flavor? Yes. So the corporate background and I'll say our design is minimalist with a, you know, with a creative flair or with a pop. I hate using the word pop, but that's what clients use. So we're going to use it. (laughs) Make the logo bigger and make it pop. Exactly. We got to, we have to speak their language, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's how we, that's how I take the approach. I still, I I tried to break away from the, you know, corporate mold and have, a, you know, do highly stylized designs and all of that, but that's not it's me. Not flavor. And that's not the, and that's not the type of client that I go after. I go after clients who want to be, who want to have that, you know, that professional package, the one who want to be quote unquote retail ready. Mm-hmm. And the ones who want to have a good starting point, if they're just starting out, they want to set the foundation that this is the type of, this is where their business is going to go eventually. Mm-hmm. So this is where we're going. So this is how we're going to start. Gotcha. <laughs> so what's been your most enjoyable project to date? My most enjoyable project to date, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, it's the ones that I, it's the ones for my side businesses, okay. but that I have to, but that, but that I work on, you know, work on with either a partner or someone who I collaborated with. Mm-hmm. So my own businesses that you would see in my portfolio are naturally tall mm-hmm. and cached effects and body art. Okay. I have the visual identity done for my branding course, but it's not in my portfolio yet. But just working with other makeup artists, Mm -hmm. and I'll talk about cachet for a second, just working with other makeup artists and body artists and you know, just, I just used it to pull like, you know, our different ideas together, but I still wanted to have me in there, that minimalist corporate flair. Mm -hmm. So to let people know that when you get me, if you hire me or book me as a makeup artist, as a special effects makeup artist, you not only get someone who's talented at what they do, you also get someone who is going to 
work on your set professionally. We're going to show up early because on time is late in the film industry. Mm -hmm. So we're we're going to show up early. We're going to have, we're going to get set up and ready to go. Mm -hmm. And anybody that you, that I bring with me, I more often than not have an assistant with me. Most, most makeup artists work solo. Mm -hmm. More often than not, I have an assistant with me as long as you paid for that. Mm -hmm. If you didn't, then um, you're just kidding me. (laughs) 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 You know, so, and that assistant's job is to make sure that the area is clean and then that the brushes are in order Mm -hmm. and everything. And that's going to be even more important, you know, post COVID-19 when, you know, when filmmakers are allowed to shoot again, that's going to be more important. I think I'm even thinking of saying that you can't hire me without my assistant. Yeah. Because it'll because also help with keeping things sanitary. Exactly. Yeah. And it's going, you know, things go really quickly when you're working on film and TV sets. So it's going to take too much time for me to thoroughly sanitize brushes and other equipment and do this person's face with, you know, the three-hour runtime that it's already going to take for me to do this particular look on a person. Mm-hmm. So having the assistant there will just make things run a little more quickly and make, make sure we stay on schedule. Gotcha. But we'll see how that goes. Because most of the time I work with lower budget films. So like I said, they can't afford, the they can't afford my assistant anyway. <laughs> oh, you might just have to move on up to the bigger budgets. Just saying. <laughs> Hopefully, that's the goal. But it's like I said, it's a side income. It's a side gig for me. And it's, you know, I, I use that as my creative outlet <laughs> to really, you know, do some messed up things to your face so So we are in uh COVID-19 and right now it's this is I'm gonna go ahead and date it this is May 2020 so like how has business been for you since March like since we've been on punishment I know you said you had PPP loan and EIDL so like what what are some of the things that uh well no just how have things been since March um things have been a little slower but it was that is actually my choice. Mm-hmm. So I have two clients right now. Actually, I just got on a third and about to do a fourth tomorrow, but they're, they're smaller projects. Mm-hmm. And then there's two, I'm working on two fairly, fairly large web design projects, not that large, but large enough. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that are keeping me going and keeping income coming in. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I was just coming off a pretty large retainer. I'm talking about like a mid four figure retainer Mm -hmm. that ended their contract abruptly. And I'm not going to go into it too much, but basically what happened was I think the, the company changed hands Mm -hmm. and the new owner. And what happened was the previous owner had downgraded their service. Mm -hmm. And, And I let that person know that if you downgrade service, the volume of work that you're sending us does not versus versus the retainer that you just downgraded to that's going to start putting us way behind mm-hmm. but he downgraded anyway lo and behold that's what happened so when this new owner came in you know i did explain it to them i thought i thought i thought he got it mm-hmm. but you it got into this whole thing of oh, we're not working fast we're not working fast enough so we're going to end your contract mm-hmm. so and that wasn't the case of course like i said it was the fact that you know we're not going to do the same amount of work we were doing for less money right so 
there was just a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. And I normally require, I normally have a, a system when it's, when a client is coming off a retainer, I usually say you have to give 30 days written notice and all other stuff, but I'm all about energy and me and this person's energy was just way off. And I'm like, you know what? Terminate it immediately. Right. So that's what I did. But at the same time, I give myself that 30 days to give myself time to replace that income, especially when you're talking about a three, four, five thousand dollar retainer a month. Right. You know, that's a big chunk of change for a small business that right. you're losing. So that was at the beginning of March. And I was like frantically saying, oh my God, I got to replace this client. I got to replace this client. I got to replace this client. But then as soon as shutdown happened and in New Jersey, shutdown happened March 16th. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just... Peace. Yeah. I still needed the money. I still, <laughs> I still needed, you know, needed work coming in. But at the same time, I just took about two weeks mm. of doing very little at yeah, that yeah. time. I didn't really go after clients as hard as I would have. There were increase that came in, but I didn't follow up like I normally do. Mm-hmm. You know, I put it at this point, if they want to work with me, they can. If they don't, oh well. you know, that's fine. And I normally have, I didn't use my follow-up sequence with any of those potential clients at during that two-week period. Mm-hmm. And by the time April came around, there was actually a client that resurfaced, one of the web design clients. Mm-hmm. And he said, he had inquired I think back in February and then in April, he just popped up out of the blue saying that he's ready to move forward. And since that was a sizable job, mm-hmm. that's the one that's kind of been keeping me going for now. Okay. Well, as well as the PPP loans and the idle loans and the stimulus. Right. Yeah, so it's just kind of good timing at that extra money help with the, with the fact that I'm not really pursuing as many lot. clients as I normally would. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. Slowly starting to get back into the swing of things, but We'll see. Okay. Well, that's good, though. I mean, that's, that's really good that you've been able to keep it. It's been level. Can't say it's been like, yes, level, but it, it's, it's been level. And that's, that's, it is a really good thing because like for us, it, ooh, gee, anything could happen. And then it was like, it seems like everything tanks after that. And you're like, man, I was doing so good. What happened? I know. I that's understand. exactly what happened. And you're like, things are so good. Like, why? It's like, you think it's great. And then the universe goes, oh, hold on. Mm-hmm. Let me fix that for you. So, Especially when you live in, you know, where I live, you know, yeah, where cost a, a shoebox, a shoebox size studio costs like $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> you got that. And I don't live in a shoebox size studio. So <laughs> you got that. You got that. Again, I've just been really good timing with everything that's going on. I do. I am fully aware that I do need to get back into the swing of things eventually, mm-hmm. but I'm just enjoying this little Break. calmness of work. <laughs> she doesn't even feel like it since I'm working on a couple of personal projects. couple of events okay. and personal projects, but gotcha. yeah. So for someone who is looking for your particular service, what is some advice you would give them for vetting a professional, vetting a creative professional? I actually have an entire book around that, which wow. needs to be, <laughs> which also needs to be put out. That's another thing I've been sitting on for a while, aside from this course. Mm-hmm. And there's a series of questions that you should ask potential graphic designers. Mm-hmm. One of them is how, you know, this, of course, the typical how long have you been doing your work? I don't 
necessarily at, tell people to ask, is this full-time or part-time for you? Mm-hmm. Because I know a lot of part-time professionals who take this as a side business or as a freelance business very right. seriously. But if you do want to ask that, you can. I don't feel like that should say whether or not you should work with them. However, I tell people, look at their portfolio and then also look at what the industry standard mm-hmm. is. Because I see a lot of designers who may not use the industry standard tools and what happens is that can hurt the client in the long run and these the clients don't, doesn't know we have to, i say it's up to us to educate mm-hmm. them so i educate the client in the, my book ask them what type of files they give you their answer at the very least should be a png mm-hmm. and a vector pdf mm-hmm because there are raster PDFs and vector PDFs. Now, we know that clients aren't going to know what those terms mean, but the designer, if they are a professional, should know what those terms mean. So you'll get a PDF PDF and a PNG at the very least. I give people a JPEG, a PDF, a PNG, and an EPS file, and an SVG file if they ask for it, and a native file if they ask for it, and it also comes in some of my higher packages. My lowest package does not include the native file. Because if you are, in all honesty, if you're doing my lowest package, you probably don't even have the software to use use the native file. file. Ask them what type of files you get. Uh Ask them what programs they use. Unfortunately, logos should not be made in Photoshop. So if that's what they're using, probably shouldn't hire them. If they're using Canva, also, you probably shouldn't hire them or you definitely shouldn't hire them because Canva logos, Canva has a logo making mm-hmm. system within their software. You can't trademark those logos. Those logos are not yours. That person could use your design for the mm-hmm. next person. Ask them how many concepts do they get? Ask them how many revisions do you get? How many is included in this package? Ask them, do you, I, I talk about logo design a lot because that's what people have the most mm-hmm. questions about. You know, ask them, are you getting just the logo or are you getting like a full um, full package. branding package? Mm-hmm. Are you getting, you know, alternative? Are you getting alternatives to that logo? Are you getting submarks? Are you getting a color palette? Are you getting help with font choice and pattern choice, color choice, things of mm-hmm. that nature? I would say be weary of a lower cost designer. I put it this way. A lower cost designer probably is not going to do the research that is required before even getting to logo design. So if I charge, let's say, let's say 250 or less and the average, I studied this, this is where, this is where the research goes, goes into. I studied that the average time to do a basic logo is anywhere between 10 and 25 hours. So let's take the lower. Let's just take 10. Let's just take 10 hours. Um, so at $250, that's $25 an hour. That's a decent chunk of change for someone who's entry level. So if you get a very talented student, again, look at their portfolio. If you get a very talented student, you might luck out. If you get a very, very talented person on Fiverr, you may luck out. If you get very talented or, you know, talented person on Fiverr, Upwork, 250 might get you a decent logo but i see so many people in various business groups Mm -hmm. and they're not in other countries and they're not in other countries either they're right here in the us of a you know logo fifty dollars fifty dollars seventy five dollars a hundred dollars 
you know, things like that. And I said, you are not, you're, you're not doing a design, a professional designer will give you a full consultation. They will outline and then they will do some research on your industry. Even if they know everything about your industry, they'll still do some research to see what, if, what the trends are right now. They will research your competition. They will spend about at least two to, two to three hours doing research. Mm-hmm. If they're really thorough, they'll probably do five to seven hours of just research. Sure so that's 10 hours, five of it was just spent doing mm-hmm. research and doing a consultation with you. And then you have the initial mm-hmm. sketches. And some mm-hmm. people don't do this, but I do. I do the sketches in black mm-hmm. or black and white. Right. Because again, a strong, a, a well-designed logo or a versatile logo or a functional logo will work well in one or two mm-hmm. colors. There are so many logos that I see that if you block it out to one color, you're not going to know what it is. So I <laughs> say, but you're no. two colors and you can block that. Come that's on, you can block glitter. that out. That's the whole name of the podcast. I'm so <laughs> sick of seeing people use sparkles. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention the glitter, but if, if you're going to mention the glitter, then yes. I'm glitter so, logos should only be on I'm t-shirts. I'm so to see sparkles. <laughs> Glitter logos, I'm going to say it again, glitter logos should only be on t-shirts. The actual logo should be a flat file. I also see unnecessary use of gradients and unnecessary use of outline Mm -hmm. strokes. See, I didn't want to go on this logo (laughs) rant. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go there. I didn't mean to go there. I did. Y'all, we done moved into a two-part episode. I'm sorry, but I didn't mean to go there. But, you know... And designers who do this, I know you got. I know you probably just got offended, but I'm sorry, y'all. This is. I'm trying to help you. You are doing yourself a disservice for only charging fifty to hundred dollars for it the logo. It makes it harder for us because the next time you do that, clock how long it take took for you from beginning to end to work with this client, and then take what you charged and divide it by the number of hours it took you mm-hmm. to do it. I will guarantee you, you only just paid yourself anywhere between two to five bucks an hour. And if it only took you an hour, you're doing your clients at the service because you didn't research, you didn't do any type of research on what they do and who they are and who they need to be as a business. Mm -hmm. We gather different information from our client, but ultimately it is our job to tell the, to guide the client on where their brand Mm -hmm. should go. Now, I understand that some clients want what they want. And at that point, I learned to just yeah, stop fighting them on it. Yeah. But, and then, you know, I guess just don't use it in my portfolio if it's not up to par. on par with mm-hmm. the rest of my things. But to save yourself a headache, the client who invests in themselves are, go, are more often than not going to be open to what you have mm-hmm. to say. Yep, totally agree. And it has, I hear, I've, I've heard so many excuses. I'm not trying to rip people off or, you know, I cater, you know, I cater to black owned businesses. I don't, I like to try to get, I would like us to get out of the idea that black people can't afford quote unquote it. afford certain things because there are plenty of black business owners who are ready to invest in themselves. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean charge them a million dollars either. Right. If you don't have that right. skill set. You know, if you're not providing million dollar results, million then dollars. don't charge a million yeah. dollars. Do a good assessment of yourself and your skill level mm-hmm. and what the industry standard is right now. 
and a lot of people say that the industry standard is boring, but those industry sta- standard, industry standard brings businesses millions and billions of dollars right. a year. And I also tell people that um, the C, the founder of Nike, hated the Nike logo when the, when the designer first made it. Well, wow. He said, I didn't, he's like, I'm not that crazy about it, but maybe it'll grow on me. And boy, did it. Billions of dollars <laughs> later, just saying. And I know people try to use that analogy also to fight, to fight their, their reasoning for charging so low because that logo only cost $35. Yeah. It's like, yes, but that logo cost $35 in the right. 70s. That designer, she admitted that she did not know what she mm-hmm. was doing. When, in terms of pricing, she said if she had to do it again, she would not have priced it $35. When Nike went public, the CEO gifted her 600 shares. At the time that I researched or did a case study on Nike, which was about 10 years ago, those shares were worth $500,000. So he paid her back. So he paid her back. She more, <laughs> she more than got her back for, for that logo. I don't believe that is, and that is an isolated incident. I don't even know of any other incident where that has happened. Most of the time, we're paid for our time, and the business owner goes on about their way, go on about their right. business. That, that's usually what happens. Like we, we get paid for the project, and then you know you kind of just go on on this. That relationship is cultivated during the process to where they're like, "Oh yeah, well I got this new thing coming up," or "How much does it cost to keep you on retainer?" So I can always ask a question, so I can always call you. And it does happen. It's very rare, but it does happen. Yes. God bless those people, because yes, we need more of those. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. I actually had someone who recently got off a retainer um, about a year or so ago, and he's coming mm-hmm. back. Like, hey, I need to, cool. Okay, <laughs> I need to be able to talk to you. I need help. So, uh, exactly. so now we've moved into the random question section. Ooh, that's the fun part. <laughs> the, your answers can be personal or business in nature. Most of the questions are kind of personal. Just because, okay. you know, one of the things that I feel is that if anyone is looking for a, a designer, not only do you need to check out their portfolio, but you need to vibe with them. Like if y'all don't, if you don't exactly. connect, then it's it's no good. You know, it's like, oh yeah, this is my person. But you know what? Number one, you don't want to think, oh God, now I got to email this designer and ask him for all this stuff. And then number two, you don't want the designer to be like, Okay, here we go. Yeah, I've had clients in the past. If I saw, I see an email by them, I instantly get yeah. anxiety. Because then it's so, like it takes. I don't want that. Just, just as a cre- as a creative, it, you if you can't connect to the work, then it takes that much longer and it's that much harder to do. And it's like if, unless you know you're passionate about it, you're excited about it, like oh yeah, we gonna do this. Let's. Mm, 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 mm. And then you can you can exactly. put out your best work, but then your client gets the best work, and they're they're proud to show off what you did for them because they know that you were invested in it so they know that you know you're gonna make sure that not only does it look good but it's effective and they get a return on the money mm-hmm. they spent with you you know like that's 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 a big thing for me is like you, you got to make sure that you give your client the best ROI you got to make sure that whatever you put out is going to get that client their money back that they spent with you so they can spend more money with you like that's just as exactly. a creative professional like that, that's got to happen. That's got to happen. Like you got to connect with your person. But anyway, let's go back. So <laughs> what's your favorite food? Oh my goodness. Living in this area is like everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say Italian. Okay. Italian is my favorite food. Okay. Particular um, dish? So anything with some sauce and anything with some sauce and some cheese and some mozzarella cheese on it. I'm going to be all, all the way there. Second, 
got to go back to my roots, got to be the soul okay. food. Cool, cool. There aren't, unfortunately, there aren't that many good soul food spots in uh-huh. this area. But I used to, I had a client, Glorious Southern Cuisine, as you saw in my mm-hmm. portfolio. And she, I told everybody, she had me eating things that I don't even like. <laughs> I don't like collard greens, but I ate hers. And I didn't like cabbage be- before I met her. Yeah, now I do like good. cabbage. <laughs> and all of that. And, you know, she passed away um, about two years ago. And I remember when she let me know that she was sick and that the doctor did give her like a really short timeline mm-hmm. that to uh, that she was going to be here. And, you know, of course we, you know, of course, you know, we had a little cry session and we're talking and everything, but then she wanted to be, she wanted to end things on a lighter note and started making me laugh. And I said, like, who's going to cater my wedding? Yeah. Now? Like, you know, I still don't know who would cater my wedding, but <laughs> You know, I'll say I have not had really good soul food since her. Someone has, there's a restaurant in that's not too far from me. That's a close Mm -hmm. second, but nothing quite like glorious Southern cuisine. Yeah. I know. I know. He has one more person. He'd be like, look, I'm going to need you to stay alive forever because (laughs) I I can't be looking for nobody else. I, I don't have time for this. So if you could exactly. pick one, any famous person from the past to spend a day with, who would it be? There's a few people, but I'm going to say Michael Jackson okay. because he was just so weird <laughs> and so am I. Okay. That's, that's actually a pretty good reason. Like a lot of people would be like, mm-hmm. and Yeah. He, he um just more more than enjoying his music i always watched a jackson documentary i was i would say probably you could say obsessed with the jacksons like i just was in awe about how they did things and how they operated and how they you know developed into the powerhouses that the family still is you know like, Janet was supposed to have a concert in July. I'm pretty sure that's canceled, but probably <laughs> See, it's virtually um, impossible to social distance with her around. So yeah, yeah, I've seen her twice, so at least I have that. <laughs> but the reason why I was reminded of this documentary was when I was in Vegas recently, or not re- not that recently, mm-hmm. last summer, and there was a documentary that he did years ago, and he went into this store and the. I didn't realize that the store was in Vegas. So the guy had the documentary playing in his storefront. Mm-hmm. And that reminded me, I'm like, yeah, he, he spent like a million dollars on just nonsense. And there was a store right in that mall, actually, that my boyfriend and mm-hmm. I were in that had all these sculptures made out of metal and also different things. They were like Dragon Ball mm-hmm. Z like characters, like anime characters and comic book characters. And they were ridiculous amounts of money, like 10, 20, 30, $40,000. And I was like, you know what? We just saw Michael Jackson do that ridiculous shopping spree. This is the ridiculous shopping spree that you and I would go on. Because <laughs> why do we need right. these things? But, but want we it. want them. It's, I like it. I like it. And I want it. And exactly. And I'm not even the type of person who spends money on frivolous things. I tell people I'm not a consumer. Mm-hmm. Like I don't buy, I will buy a shirt to replace the shirt that has holes in it. I will buy jeans to replace the jeans that have holes in it. I'm not just going to buy jeans. 
<laughs> exactly. But if we had the mm. space, this is the ridiculous thing is that we would spend our money on, like Michael, like Michael Jackson did. So how did you get? How did you get to there, what? sir? <laughs> like you know, yeah. we gotta talk about that. We gotta talk about that. So we're gonna go ahead and uh, move on to the closing remarks. Um, our closing remarks. It's it's really it's your time to shine. You have given me a lot of information. Like we're gonna have to talk later on after this because yeah. Um, but what do you have coming up? Like what? Where can people reach you? What do you have coming up? Any promos? I know you said you have a couple of side businesses in addition to your freelance business that you you know that you're working on. So what are some things that we need to know about K District? Yes. So the K District is working on expansion. And also developing our side businesses. So we have recently partnered with a video production company so that we can now offer our clients branded content. Now, we are only offering this service for people who are in the New Jersey and New York City area. Unless you want to pay us to travel, then cool. But can't travel right now. So (laughs) unless you are... um, So if you are a creative professional and you want to have people start taking you seriously as a business. That is our wheelhouse. We not only design all of your graphic materials for you, we help you brand your genius and brand your talent and turn your talent or your passion into a thriving career. So you can either hire us to do that or if you're not there yet and if you're not ready yet or if you're not even sure how to put all that together yet, then hang out in our Facebook community. We call it Power Brand and Messy Hands. We are creatives. We get we dive deep. We get our hands dirty, hence the name. So once again, if you just join us on Facebook, Power Brands and Messy Hands, you will get daily tips on branding. All right. And social media handles, real quick. Social media handles, you are, we're going to stick with the K District for now. We're going to, so on Instagram, it is at the K District LLC. If we are, if on Facebook, it's going to be at the K District or just find us on the K District. Twitter, I keep it a little, it's personal slash business. But if you want me, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Katani B Designs. And then if you're interested in some of the side things that I've mentioned, I mentioned Naturally Tall. If you are 5'9 and up, stand up. <laughs> so, so you can find us Naturally Tall on Instagram and Facebook. And if you are into body art, special effects, makeup, and put, and all that good jazz, you can find that at Cachet, K-A-C-H-E-D-N-J. And that's all my handles are at Cachet and J. Cool. Well, thank you, Miss Katani, for speaking with us today. I had fun. I enjoyed no this. Thanks for having me. Back. I'm just sorry. We don't have to come back. We gotta. Okay. We gotta <laughs> delve, dive even further into this logo thing because I think we're kindred spirits in that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we're together. I think that's what I'm to, to you. When you said F the glitter, I'm like, yes. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for coming. I am honored that you decided to take this journey with us. This is the F the Glitter podcast. Podcast highlighting women of color in graphic design, creative design, branding, because we make these businesses work. We do. So we'll see you all on the next episode. And yeah, so I'll see y'all later.
Thank you, guys. I'll see you soon. All right.